0: What would you do if you knew that the people closest to you would abandon you in your hour of deepest need? Think about that for just a moment. If your closest friends, your family members, the ones who are supposed to stand by you and be there with you and be there for you, denied even knowing you through your most painful trials, and your hardest experiences. It's a little hard to imagine, isn't it? We get upset if the people who are close to us don't show up to a birthday party or a ball game. Imagine if the people who promised to be there with you denied even knowing you. How would you respond to something like that? Would you, if, you could, if you could somehow know that in advance, would you preemptively cut them out of your life so as to avoid the pain that it would cause? Would you react with bitterness and anger and hatred? Would you ignore them altogether? Would you tell them after you got through that you never wanted to see them again? How would you respond if the people that you relied on and trusted and, and were closest to Abandon you in your hour of deepest need. In this little mini-series we're calling Tough Love, we're looking at the final hours and the final events in the life of Jesus. These past few weeks we've been looking at his interaction with his closest followers, just hours before he was arrested and crucified, and we're spending a lot of time in the section because we tend to understand that a person's last interactions with those they love before they die seem to carry extra weight. They seem to carry extra significance, don't they? We understand that. you know, if, if you knew that your time was coming soon, you would gather those who were closest to you and you would share with them things that were most important to you. You would share with them things that you wanted them to remember about you. You would teach them ways that you wanted them to live. You would share the, the lessons that you had learned from your life. And so as we see Jesus with his followers before he dies, we're zeroing in on, on these final interactions because we think that those interactions are important. Jesus is preparing these followers to take on the mantle to lead the mission that he began and so we're looking at what is most important to Jesus during this time the past couple of weeks we looked at the last supper as Jesus gathered with his closest followers and he infused new meaning into this meal that they shared and he as he told them that the bread and the cup would signify him as they went forward that they would remember him every time they broke bread every time they shared that cup Last week we looked at a little misunderstanding his followers had as they were arguing about who was going to be greatest, and as he sits them down and once again patiently teaches them that greatness in the kingdom of God doesn't look like greatness in the kingdoms of the world, that greatness in the kingdom of God looks like taking up a wash basin and a towel and serving and washing feet. The reason that we're doing this series, the reason that we're looking at Jesus' final interactions in these final hours is because we know that it's easy to do what's right when things are easy. When things are going well, it's really easy for us to do what's right. When, when people are lovely, it's really easy to love them. But things don't always go easy, do they? And people aren't always lovely. But Jesus shows us that even when things are difficult and even when people aren't lovely, we can still do what's right. What's right? And we can still love, even when it's tough. So this morning we're going to look at an interaction that Jesus has with one individual. His name is Peter. You've probably heard of him. Uh, Peter was one of Jesus' closest followers. He's the one that Jesus invested in extra, that Jesus leaves with extra responsibility and leadership. And So we're going to watch this interaction with Jesus. We're going to start in Luke chapter 22. Uh, Verses 31 through 34. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. As usual, I'll put the text up here on the screen. Jesus is talking to Peter. Peter's name is also Simon, so sometimes you'll see it both ways. Talking to Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me. You will deny three times that you know me. It's a short little section, but it's sure packed and powerful. We're going to go back and sort of unpack it phrase by phrase. Simon, Simon, Jesus says, Satan has desired to sift all of you as wheat. It's a sobering reminder, isn't it? Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 verse 10, that there's a thief who comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Peter himself, writing decades later to Christians living in the first century, writes this in 1 Peter 5 8. He says, Be alert and of sober mind, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Now this isn't intended to you know be a fear tactic to scare you into believing in God. That's not what this is. But there's there's a soberness to this, there's a seriousness to this, that that there's there's not this is not a game. Christianity is not a game where we show up on, on Sunday mornings and we listen to a sermon and sing a couple of songs and then go about the rest of our week as if none of that ever happened and we repeat again the next week. There's a seriousness to this. Jesus tells us that there, there is a spiritual enemy who's opposed to all of God's plans and he desires to hurt the people of God. He desires to, as Jesus says in this passage, sift all of you as wheat to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so, so there, we, we enter into this with a, with a sober seriousness, knowing that what we're doing here carries significance, that there's spiritual weight, there's spiritual warfare going on, and we need to be aware that, that we have an enemy who would like to hurt us. So the question becomes, okay, we know we have this enemy, so, so what do we do? What do we do? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked. I'm going to change a little bit. What, what did Jesus do? Jesus acknowledging this spiritual truth, that there was an enemy desiring to hurt his followers, what did he do? He goes on, "But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail." This is incredibly powerful, It's been powerful on, on several different levels. First of all, it's powerful because we're, we're looking at the life of Jesus, who himself, he knows that he's headed to be arrested to be tortured, to be interrogated, and eventually to be crucified. And yet here, in his hour of deepest need, he is thinking about and praying about others. That's some tough love, isn't it? To, to know that he's heading into his hour of darkness, his, his hours of deepest pain, and yet he's not wallowing in self-pity about what he's going to go through. Even in this time, he is still focused on loving and praying for others. That's tough love, to love and pray for others in your hour of deepest need. I want to love like that. I want to have that kind of love inside of me, that even when things are tough for me, that I can still be focused on loving on others. That even when I'm suffering, I can still be focused on giving and serving. And I've seen this done. I've seen people like this. As As a pastor, as a hospital chaplain, I have been with people in their final hours as they are on their way out of this world, as they know that they're going to die. And I have seen people who, knowing that their time is coming, are still focused on giving and serving and loving other people. Many of you know Terry Doherty, a beloved member of our congregation for years, who passed away earlier this year. I spent a lot of time with him in his final weeks. And as I would sit with him in his room, I would ask him, what are you thinking about? What would you like me to pray for? And over and over again, Terry would say, for my family. That they would be okay when I'm gone. That they would love each other. Even in, in his pain, in his suffering, knowing that his time on earth was about to come to an end, he was focused on other people. And he was focused on that because he knew that he trusted in God and that God had him taken care of. I want this kind of love. That's tough love. Terry embodied tough love. Jesus embodied tough love. I've seen it. I've seen it done. We can, we can develop the character of Christ so far that we can, even when we're suffering, even when we're in pain, even when things aren't going our way, that we can be focused on other people. So it's powerful because we see Jesus, who, who, is, who himself is, is going to be suffering, is, is still focused on praying for other people. But it's also powerful because we see that Jesus, acknowledging spiritual warfare, his response is to pray. Now, Christians believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's pretty powerful. It's pretty important. We believe that he was the Messiah sent from God, that he's our Lord and Savior. And let me just ask you a question. If prayer was important enough for Jesus to do, what about us? I think sometimes we, we underestimate the power of prayer. Jesus acknowledging the fact that there was spiritual warfare going on could have responded in lots and lots of different ways. Instead, he chose to pray. He prayed for his friends, and specifically for Peter, and he prayed that his faith may not fail. Do we believe that our prayers have that kind of power? Do we pray for people that are struggling with faith? Do we pray for people, even if we know that they're going to betray and deny and abandon us? Jesus did. That's tough love. Story goes on, Jesus says, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now, I love this. I love this because Jesus knows that Peter is about to abandon him. Jesus knows that Peter is about to deny even knowing him in his hour of deepest need. And yet, in spite of this, he speaks to a positive future for Peter. He says, when you have turned back. He doesn't dwell on the fact that Peter's going to deny him. He doesn't dwell on the fact that Peter's going to abandon him. He he speaks to a future beyond this. He gives him hope and he lets Peter know that he believes in him anyway. You know, it's amazing how powerful our communication can be. It's amazing how powerful what we communicate to others that we believe in them can be. I, I've been there before, I, you know, I've been in my darkest moments when I'd been hurt by a previous church, when I didn't know what my future looked like, when I expressed this to a, a previous pastor of mine, he responded and he said, you know what, I'll walk with you. He didn't have all the answers, but he said, I'll walk with you. And he communicated this belief in me, and without that, I don't know that I would be where I am today had he not been there to communicate belief in me, maybe when I didn't even deserve it. It's really powerful to, to share with someone that you believe in them. Those words, even if they don't deserve it, those words can do so much. They can be so inspiring. I, I really believe that later on, when Peter finally did deny Jesus, even though he said he wasn't going to, when he did, that, that these seeds that Jesus planted in this moment helped Peter to, from completely falling into despair, realizing that Jesus believed in him anyway when he didn't believe in himself. Who's in your life that you need to communicate your belief to? Who in your life do you need to let them know that you really do believe in them, even if maybe they don't deserve it? Even if maybe they've let you down? Even if maybe they have abandoned you or betrayed you or denied you? Who do you need to let know that you love them anyway? Who do you need to communicate that belief to? Peter responds to Jesus. He says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. We all like to think this way, don't we? We like to think that when things get tough, we're going to respond with strength and tenacity and courage, and you know, and we want to believe that about ourselves. And yet, we know that we're flawed. Each of us are flawed. Each of us, uh, we have weak moments. We have moments of fear. We have moments of doubt. We have moments where we question the goodness of God, where we question our own strength and ability. Sometimes, when things get tough, we get scared. Sometimes we lose heart. Sometimes we lose faith. You know, I've never had to face imprisonment or threat of death for my belief, not here in America. There are others who do across the world, and and I would like to think that in that moment that I would have the strength of character and the courage to to hold fast to my convictions and face the consequences, but but I know that I'm, I'm flawed. I know that there are weak parts of me, that I have weak moments. I know that even now, as God will nudge me to share my faith with a stranger, sometimes I get scared of doing even that. Sometimes I, I talk myself out of doing even the smallest thing in, in sharing the good news with, with, uh, with a stranger. and so there's a part of me that has to recognize that in that moment, I may not be strong enough. I'd like to think that I am, but I may not be strong enough. Peter wasn't. So, pray for me. Pray for me. That's what Peter that's what Jesus did for Peter. He prayed for him that his faith would not fail. And you know the story of Peter, right? You know that he eventually, betr- that he did deny Jesus, but that he came back. Jesus' prayer, it seems, was answered. So pray for me, that my faith wouldn't fail. Pray for each other, that as we face temptations, as we face trials, as we experience the suffering that we're going to experience because we live in a broken and fallen world, pray that our faith wouldn't fail. Pray for me, and I'll pray for you. Jesus responds to Peter. He says, I tell you, Peter... Before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know Me. Try to imagine. Just put yourself in their sandals for just a minute and try to imagine how deeply emotional this moment must have been for both Jesus and Peter. Peter being told that he's going to deny his teacher, his friend, his master and yet also hearing that that Jesus is praying for him and speaking to a truth, a future beyond this denial. How conflicting and painful that must have been for Peter to hear those words. How emotional it must have been for Jesus, knowing that one of his closest followers was going to deny even knowing him in just a matter of hours when everyone else had run away. Imagine how difficult it must have been for Jesus, because we know that he was fully human, that he experienced the full range of human emotion, to to experience the pain of knowing that his closest follower was going to deny even knowing him in a matter of hours, and yet praying for him anyway, believing in him anyway, and communicating that belief to him in a positive way. That took incredible strength of character. That took tough love. So here's the bottom line. Tough love doesn't give up on people who give up tough love doesn't give up on people who give up. So who do you need to pray for? Who maybe have you given up on? Who has mistreated you or abandoned you or denied you or hurt you that maybe you've given up on? That God is now nudging you to say, maybe you need to pray for them. Who do you need to go a step further with? Who have you maybe written off that you need to communicate your belief in? Who do you need to reach out to and say, either I'm sorry, or I forgive you, or I believe in you, even if they don't deserve it? Who has let you down that you need to have some tough love for and reach out and love them anyway? who's walked away from you that you need to prepare your heart to invite back in. As followers of Jesus, we know that it's easy to do what's right when things are easy. It's easy to love when people are lovely. But we've been called to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And we've been given the Spirit of Christ that empowers us to live and to respond like Him. And so we need to go beyond doing what's right when it's easy. And loving only when people are lovely, to doing what's right when it's hard, and loving when love is tough. So, who is it for you? Where do you need to extend some tough love? Where do you need to extend love to somebody who hasn't earned it, who doesn't deserve it, who's let you down? Because tough love doesn't give up when people give up. Let's pray. Lord, we know that each of us has been hurt. We know that each of us has been hurt by someone else. Someone has walked away. Someone has mistreated us. Someone has spoken ill of us. Someone has taken advantage of us. Someone has denied us or abandoned us. And it hurts. And we want to acknowledge that pain. Yet we look at the life of Jesus and we see that even when things were tough, even when people didn't deserve it, he loved them anyway. He spoke hope to them anyway. He believed in them anyway. God, you believed in us, even when we were enemies, even when we were living in ways that were contrary to you. Maybe some of us still are, and you Believe in us anyway. Even when we were enemies, you sent your Son to pay the price for our sins. You loved us anyway. Father, help us to love like that. Help us to look beyond ourselves, to look beyond our own pain. Help us, Father, to find true rest and comfort in you so that even in our hurt and even in our pain, we can reach out and love and trust and believe in others. Help us, Father, to be beacons of love, beacons of light, beacons of your hope, even when things seem dark. We believe, God, that you have called us to walk in the steps of Jesus, and we believe that you've given us your Spirit so that we can. So empower us, God, to live like Jesus, not only when things are good and easy, but when things are tough and people are unlovely. Thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.